Okay, welcome to the second part of the second episode of the second season of Colavari Creativity Series. And um, if you're just listening, thank you very much for coming to um, listen to this podcast. But you might not have, you know, a background understanding of what we'll be talking about if you did not listen to the first part. So you're encouraged to listen to the first part. It's available on every podcast Um platform and um, you can also follow Colavari Solutions at Colavari Solutions on Instagram as well. So in the first part of this um, episode we had an interview with Tunji Andrews and Aziz actually gave us some points that are very important on how not to fall in love with your own ideas and I think when you listen to that part you'd actually gain so much. So we'll just continue with the other part like we said in part one this is a more practical aspect to everything that we heard in the first part i want to know how our bar was able to implement this and some of the challenges they faced so aziz i will start part two with a summary of what we took out of part one and that is do not fall in love with your idea fall in love with the problem you are trying to solve very simple so do not fall in love with your idea, but fall in love with the problem you're trying to solve. Falling in love with that problem will help you be able to provide value. Improve, offer, on, the, improve, improve on, on, on the idea. idea. The initial idea. Great. Okay, so now let's listen to Tunji explain why our bar decided to focus on pension in their financial inclusion initiative. Okay, so... Um... If you're if you're trying to push financial inclusion, and this is this is standard from you know the World Bank, this is standard um, from uh, I mean every single area in the economy. Uh, if you're trying to pivot uh, or grow the financial services of any country, you want to go with products that are mass market and are able to reach out to a lot of people and, excuse me, solve problems, solve core problems. And the two products that do that predominantly look alike, and that is micro-insurance and micro-pensions. Micro-insurance because micro-insurance is able to provide healthcare to the mass masses at a um, low uh, premium, and then uh, micro uh, micro pensions, which is able to help the low income earners save towards retirement, so that is, uh, you fight against aged poverty and the rest. So, if you know, it's, it was always natural that I was going to go in that in either direction, either insurance or pension. But pensions, micro pensions in Nigeria is very new. So, I mean, it's only about three three and a half years old. So it meant that this was a very difficult terrain to play in. Uh, in. In today's Nigeria, it's easier for you to do banking than to do micro pensions because banking, everybody knows what banking is. The next person on the street knows what banking is. But um, pensions is difficult. So you have to do a lot of sensitization. You have to do a lot of education. Um, so honestly, the hesitation to go to pensions was just around the amount of work that needed to be done. But being true to financial inclusion, this was probably the best product 
you could ever think of to get people to be financially included because there's no uh, conversation about too much technology. There's no much conversation about uh, barriers to entry. You don't have to put any money up front to be able to get access. Um, it can come to you wherever you are. It takes you as you are. And that is one of the things that is predominantly important for us and predominantly important for financial inclusion. You need to be able to reach the people where they are, irrespective of where they are. So if they are in one local hot, um, village in um, Yobe State, that is where you have to go and meet them. As against banking, which says, come to our banking hall to get a form, fill it and sign up. So it, it, it had to be insurance or pension. And insurance already has a lot of people working in that space, trying to fill uh, that space. And the place that did not have anybody and still doesn't have anybody aside from our bar is micro pension. So um, once I was able to get over the fear of this is going to be too difficult, it, it was just a no-brainer to come into micro pension three. Okay, I mean, if you listen carefully to that except you find out that uh, you find out that Tunji kept his eyes on the problem and not on the idea. He was willing to adjust whatever idea our bar was trying to sell. And that's why, at the end of the day, they have a product that is meeting the needs of their customers. I think even in the part, in the first part, he mentioned it that from the start, they didn't have all the answers yeah. to everything. But as they, as they worked, as they had customers, as customers, you know, put forward got their feedback needs, from customers. Yes, got feedback yeah. from customers, they were able to, you know, adjust whatever idea it is that our buy initially had. Okay, so we want to also listen to him talk about our bar and how pension was sold to customers as a jaw or isusu like we know it, rather than trying to explain pension as a complex financial instrument. I think this is really important. Yeah, it's very important. You know, one one of the things that being um, coming from the and I, I'm I'm really um, good grateful that I, I spent the last decade pushing financial inclusion. So I have seen the mistakes everybody has made. You know, I've seen the mistakes. And, and you know, it, it's you, if you sell micro pensions as micro pensions, nobody will buy. <laughs> I, I can guarantee you nobody will buy. Um, because pensions is complex. Nigeria, London, Budapest, New York, pensions is complex. So if you're going to sell pensions, you have to, be able to explain it in a language that people understand. The average person also believes that banking or financial transactions came with the Western world. It is not true. Financial services have been happening in Africa since time. And I want to tell you the, the African version of savings. It's in our local communities and it still exists still today. It's called Ajo. In, at least in Western Nigeria, it's called Ajo. In some parts of Nigeria, it's called Isusu. Isusu. Yeah. 
It's a situation whereby somebody comes with a small bag, a small notebook under their armpit. You know, they collect your savings every day, write your name in the notebook, and at the end of the month, they give you all your money you saved and take one day as bank charges. That is exactly what it is. So if you're telling people to save long term, you have to look at what exactly and what is the methodology that they use to save for projects. It's a susu, it's a job. So how does the pepper seller in Ojaoba, how does she pay her rent, which is yearly? She uses a job. She saves, she has a job on Tuesdays. That's what she saves towards her rent. The one she uses to pay her children's school fees is on Wednesday. The one she uses to buy her machinery and pay for the shop is on Thursday. The one she uses for the uh, cooperative is on Friday. That is how she lives her life. She use, she has every day and she's structurally wired to do her, revolve her life around the adjust system. So if you're coming to her and telling her to save for the future, which is a project in itself, how do you come at her? You tell her that you this is a job, this is long-term a job for when you retire. When you have energy to come out again, this is the adjour for it. So we go out and sell it as a job. <laughs> Plain and simple. Long-term adjour that gives you high interest rates, doesn't take any bank charges from you, and you still have access to be able to uh, withdraw up to 40% of your savings at any point. So we sell it as a job. We take what they already know, what they're used to, and use it to explain our product. So wherever we're going to go to, whether we go to Kaduna, whether we go to Joss, whether we go to Play 2, we go to the system, we look at the, the ground, see what they already know how to use, and then we use that to explain the product that we are selling. Because the truth is there's nothing new to banking. There's nothing new to financial services. I mean, what exactly is in the financial services sector that is new to the average African? Find the parlance, find the similarities, find the, the, the like and type in the African society and explain it to them. Once you do that, you've scaled 90% of the hurdles. And that is what we do, basically. So when we go into the communities, we're selling a susu, we're selling a jaw. Uh, we're just selling it as long-term adjour. This is the adjour that we enter into that helps you when you retire. That is all. Okay. So one of the main issues innovators usually have when launching new products or services is that people do not understand or believe in new ideas. And I think Tunji provided some clues on how to deal with this issue. And that is link what new thing you are trying to introduce to something that the people are familiar with. So the solution is in linking what people know and using that to explain the new product or service that you're trying to explain. And in, in this case, I feel it was very important because pension is not, I mean, it's, uh, it's a slightly complex financial uh, concept that you want to explain to people. And I imagine, because a lot of the people that they were dealing with were artisans, you understand, and telling them about pension, how pension works. And I think they are, they, they, they deciding to explain pension with a jaw, using a jaw or a susu, I think for me it was a brilliant idea. And I think that is very, very good. And I think 
businessmen and innovators can you know can borrow that and also use that in their in their uh, in their own, own ways as well. And I think like in episode one, we mentioned when we talked about ideas don't just come from yeah. Um, uh, abstract yeah. they're not abstract yeah. they come from something that already exactly. exists so that um, concept is kind of what I see that Tunji used yes yeah, yeah. so all new ideas are come from an existing bold from existing ideas yeah. so when, ex- when trying to explain your new idea always look for familiar, existing ideas that yeah. you can use to explain new ideas you have to understand that humans are creatures of habit we like what we know yes we like we like to stick with what we know yeah. you understand so when you're when you're telling people to try something new it will be helpful if the if you can Start link from that known, exactly from the known. known to the unknown and people might just go along with you yeah that's actually it seems, it seems like a very tough and um a very tough um terrain because you are trying to like you said, explain pension to p- these people who don't really have an idea of it, but you're bringing it down to a joy, susu, and all that. So we want to hear some of the challenges that our bar has actually experienced since it started. Um, I, I've been I've been so um, lucky um, in the in the in the regard that all the major things that I've had as challenges. Um, in terms of relating with the customer have been opportunities to learn. Uh, so I, I don't look at them as challenges. And this is not me trying to sound uh, motivational in any way. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really very, I'm really very grateful for all the obstacles that we've come up, across so far. Um so we are we about to launch um, a a low tech system that helps um, customers be able to sign up to micro pensions and micro insurance and make their contributions via WhatsApp. Um, this is predominantly interesting for us because the customer helped us see this as the right innovation for them. Because um, we're struggling with, oh, we need our customers to be able to use a lot of technology. You know, we need to be able to reach mass numbers, you know, without you know, having to interact with all of them one at one. And we just started to see from interacting with the customer that they use WhatsApp, <laughs> you know. Instead of us trying to force down an app down their throats and say, use it, use it, use it. We found out what they use, what they are comfortable with, what they already know how to use in um, large numbers. And we are then using it to deliver our services to them. Um, the other area that, you know, that looked at as a uh, problem was the area of uh, our partners. So in the pension space, um, we are partnered with pension fund administrators to be able to provide this service. Now, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, the primary 
people who are partners really um, see micro pensions as a nice to have. So it is, it's a good project, but they already have a bread and butter that is, you know, feeding their table right now. So they, they will get to it eventually, but it's not a, it's not heavy on their, on their agenda. So we found ourselves having to, you know, drag and pull a lot of them to let, let's go out, let's do some more, let's 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 go, let's go. But that has also been a blessing in disguise because while it started out to look like a challenge, it has also helped us to understand the market more, and it's helped us to see how we can be better placed to do more instead of just waiting for them to be able to go ahead. So I, I don't think there's anything that I would look at as a challenge because everything, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much excited now to see what I, anyone would call challenge because I, I realized that it has been the areas of growth for us. So anything else that is going to come up and look like an obstacle right now, I'm excited to see it because I know that it's going to help us get become a better business. Um, I think the whole entire low tech over WhatsApp has built something that, I mean, you, you'll see it in the next couple of weeks to months. It's going to be the entire focus of the business in how we communicate, how we relate. It's going to be the um, the identity of the business as a whole. And it all started with us complaining about the fact that our customers don't use apps. So why are we going to develop an app for them? And it was a problem and it was, you know, how, how, why are we going? And then we've now developed something that is going to really change the entire conversation around what we're doing. Um, so I, I don't think we've had those challenges. We've just had things that have helped push us in the right direction of, you know, trying to grow a business. Um, the regulator in our industry has been very, very helpful. So that is not a challenge. Um, everywhere we've gone, we've really seen a lot of people trying to help us, um, which is odd. Maybe we're just in the right place at the right time, because I know usually Nigerian businesses go through a lot of hard times. Um, but we've just been lucky that everywhere we go to, people just are so excited to help us. Like, oh, you're doing this. Oh, okay, that's that's nice. Let's 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 do that. In, as a matter of fact, today I just met with somebody in one of the state governments who's like, wow, let's let's. I would like us to do this together. And I'm like, okay, okay, this I, 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 this excites me. So I don't think we've had challenges in the traditional sense, but uh, we've had. Uh, things that are obstacles that have helped us, you know, learn to jump higher, pretty much. If you, if you notice, Zika, Tunji always starts with the customers. Mm. That's always the starting point. Rather than focusing on trying to force you the idea did. down the throat of the customers, it's always about the customers. Mm. It's always about the customers. And the second thing he mentioned was that um, challenges are opportunities to learn. Is the truth? Uh, well, it's. I mean, it's easy to say when when, when you are not facing the challenge, the challenge. <laughs> but it's the truth. Yeah. Um, it just stretches you and allows you to see things differently. Mm. And when you come out of that challenge, you become a better person. Mm. Okay. 
Um, so I think we're beginning to round up, but um, we want to hear Tunji tell us some of the next plans for our bar. All right, so um, in the next 12 to 24 months, we will be present in every state in Nigeria. Um, we will be present before the end of the year in every state in the country, but you would feel us very heavily over the next 24 months in every state. Um, right now, we already have an office in Kwara. We're about to have an office in Oyo. We are present also in Edo State and we're in Lagos. Um, we're going to uh, create presence in Abuja over the next one month. Um, so our plan is to spread across the entire country. It's interesting that you talk about Ghana because, yes, we're going to be spreading to Ghana over the next uh, 24 months also. Um, generally, for two reasons. Ghana is a more developed micro uh, market. But there are also Nigerians in Ghana who want to invest back home. I'm sure you've heard all these sub-stories of people who say, I, I sent money to my brother, you know, struggling in, in Germany, you know, and I sent my money to my uncle and he chopped the money, you know, all those things. Yeah, very common. So we, we, we realize that there's a large market of Nigerians who want to send money home to a trustworthy institution. And I, I don't think there's even any better place to put it into than your pension. You know, the money just goes there, waits for you when you come back, whenever that's going to be. Um, and and, and the, the core context about it is that, you know, how the problem, of course, is how do you get the money from wherever you are into the country? So those are the things you are now speaking to the regulator about, you know, how can Nigerians abroad, you know, put money into their own pensions at home? I mean, it just makes solid sense. So they, they are creating the methodology for that to happen. Um, but once that is set up, then you would see us in Ghana, you would see us in Liberia, and you will start to hear about us, you know, in the UK also, attending to Nigerians, first of all, and then seeing how we can then extend to um, the, the country, who, the in, uh, citizens of the country who, in whatever uh, country we happen to find ourselves. Um, so, like I said, 12 months will be in every state in Nigeria, 24 months you will feel us actively in every state in Nigeria, and um, in 24 months also you'll be able to see us in Ghana specifically. Very interesting plans. <laughs> okay, so now we'll hear him give some advice to startups and even to employees who are looking to make it as entrepreneurs. So I, I didn't want to do I didn't want to do a business. Um, I honestly didn't want to do one. Um, I I spent the greater past of. Uh, between 2016, no, 2017 to 2020, trying to convince other startups to allow me work with them as a minority shareholder. Because I knew that I could sell financial inclusion to the lower part of the market, but I didn't want to be the one involved in the day-to-day running of the business. I just wanted to be the part that goes to sell. But they didn't believe and they didn't listen. You know, they all turned me down. And, I, and some of them are good names today that are struggling. Some are names that were 
big some three years ago and have completely closed down today. Um, and some are doing well, but they didn't listen. So I, I tried to get them, you know, let's do this. Let me just be the one doing this for you. And they, they didn't listen. Um, but I, 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 I think one thing that has always stood ground for me is the fact that what I'm doing today isn't shocking to a lot of people who have known me, you know, over the last 10 years. It isn't exactly shocking. It's like, oh, he's always been doing things like this. So it's just natural, right? So if you're a professional, I, I think it always is important to grow towards the area of your primary passion. Uh, things that you really find exciting, things that you enjoy doing. Because if there's anything about entrepreneurship, especially in Nigeria, it will frustrate you. Especially in the very early stages, it will frustrate the living Jesus out of you. So, if you're not completely excited about doing it, you will give up. You will give up. I mean, it will be so hard at the beginning. You know, and, and it's and I think it's not just Nigeria and it's everywhere. Nobody will believe you or nobody will, you know, support you at the beginning. Then all of a sudden it then becomes successful and everybody wants to, you know, claim that they supported from the beginning. So at that part when nobody is supporting you, it's going to be very, very hard, you know, because everybody is going to expect it to fail. So they're going to always waiting for it to fail so you're going to be able to carry it on your own so you need to be able to build the competence to be able to carry it from the place of idea to at least you know a working and then when it starts working trust me everybody will be coming in for everywhere um when we started we were trying to get pfas to partner with us we were begging all the pfas to partner with us nobody agreed um, last week, I was told that somebody we are trying to partner with wanted us to do a press release and a photo shoot, a photo op. They, you know, they wanted to do an announcement and they had partnered with us. I was confused. I was like, why exactly do they want to do that? <laughs> but apparently, it just occurred to me that, oh, okay, we've become a notable name and it's, you know, partnering with us is now good for their brand. So. I get it, but have we changed? Have we become a different business from two years ago? No, it's been the same exact same brand. But then people were counting on us to fail. Today is a different conversation. They're actually counting on us to succeed. So that part where everybody's counting on you to fail can be very frustrating, can be very, emotionally tasking it and it takes a toll of your mental health also so if you're going to want to do it be prepared be prepared on everybody banking on you to fail <laughs> i think if if everybody is able banking on you to succeed there's a problem maybe you're not taking the right thing to do but if they are banking on you to fail, maybe maybe that's 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 a proof that you're doing the right thing. But it doesn't make it any easier. It's going to make it a lot harder, and it's going to be very difficult, very tasking. Um, I 
I broke down a few times in that time, you know, health-wise, my body just shut down completely one particular time. The, the doctor felt I had COVID. It was like, it was not COVID. Uh, the doctor felt, okay, is it, is it HIV? Because we don't understand what is wrong with you. <laughs> I wasn't, and the doctor was like, okay, what are you thinking about? I'm like, it's startup or it's entrepreneurship. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, you have to be able to build that fortitude to be able to manage the, the complex times. And once it gets over that point, everybody now wants to hear the success story. And that part is the easy part, you know? So build to the area where it's easy for you to get up every morning and do it because you'll be doing it through a lot of pressure. So you need to be able to be doing something that you can do without thinking something you can do without putting too much of your mental ability to it so that you know you can be able to carry through that beginning stage after a point people will come to work with you that will make it easier for you um, as of today we are 36 in the team at some point it was just me you know? last team exactly so i mean it's easier now you know it's easier now. I, I mean, I, I can see emails back and forth to things I don't even have. I don't even have. I've not even had a say in for a while. But everybody is taking all kinds of you know responsibilities and doing it without my active participation. There was a time I was the one doing everything. Legal, HR. I was one doing everything. And so at that point, you still have to build the business. You know. So you have to be able to do something that it requires just a little part of your mind to be able to do. So build in the area of your dominant uh, passion. And I think it will be easier for you at that point. It's, I'm not saying to be easy, but <laughs> to be easier. <laughs> so a couple of points to, um, to speak on. I think one, again, Tunji sees his business not in terms of the idea. Mm. But the problems he's trying to solve. solve yeah. that, 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 that's beautiful. Secondly, while I appreciate going with your passion, and he, you know, remember he talked about growth towards the area of your primary passion. Remember yeah. he mentioned that. Yeah. Whilst I appreciate that, but personally, I think the link between purpose and passion with success and fulfillment, I think, is overrated. Mm. You hear people say, oh, follow your passion and everything <laughs> everything will work out fine. Just follow your passion. Follow your passion. Mm. Now, um, I was listening to a podcast recently. Marcus Buckingham um, shared some statistics regarding um, disengagement at work. And the two sectors that had the, the lowest score with disengagement with in terms of engaged staff. So the staff in these uh, sectors had very low engagement where the healthcare sector and the educational sector. Mm. Now, if you if you put that in perspective of purpose, I don't think there are there are there are any 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 other sectors as purposeful as education, yes. you understand, or you know, health. health. Yeah. Despite that, employees in those sectors are dissatisfied. Now, what am I driving at? What I'm driving at is that it takes more than just your passion, passion. or purpose to actually be fulfilled in life. It's so we we need we need to put things in context. Yes, 
Follow your passion. I mean, <laughs> I don't even use the word passion. And I'll tell you why. This is my personal view. With passion, it's about your emotions. And if you're not careful with your emotions, it, will, it might lead you down the wrong path. I rather use the word curiosity. I rather follow what I'm curious about. See, because with curiosity, you 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 add a bit of thinking. Mm. With curiosity, you you are talking about learning. You're more objective. You're more objective. You yeah. see things from 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 a more objective uh, pers- perspective. Now, with curiosity, you are willing to learn in the process. Because if you follow what you are passionate about, and you're not good at that, you'll be frustrated. I remember as a as a young boy growing up, not just me. Most of the most of my classmates in primary school, secondary school, we were all passionate about football. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I don't know how many of us pursued football. Mm. We didn't have the skill to be, to be footballers, but we were passionate about football because I, because, I, because I, at that time in our life, football was just the most important thing. But we didn't follow our passion in football. <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> okay, my yeah. point is my point is that I would rather people pursue what they are curious about because you would learn and it's learning that makes you fulfilled and makes you offer value even if you are passionate about something and you offer no value you might be frustrated i end my case on that note Mm -hmm. so i think that um everything we always talk about always actually ends with offering value at the end of the day, you want to solve a problem. Exactly. You want to offer value. You want people to say, because of this company, this burden is taking off me. Yeah. So it's beyond... I see why you actually say passion at the end of the day because you're very emotional about yeah. something you're passionate about and you're just going round and round and round and, and, even nothing. When, and nothing is happening. So yeah, that's, that's really true and important. Thank you, Aziz. So, um, we've actually come to the end of this part, of this episode, actually. We would like to really, really thank Tunji Andrews for the interview. And um, we encourage everyone to actually follow Awaba. This interview actually made me really like the idea of what is being done. And, uh, you know, I'll go and find out more about it. This podcast is being edited and the sound is produced by Joshua Praise. And the background music is an original music by Just to Christos. And the poster design is done by Joseph Okafo and Faith Falari. Until next episode, have a very, very creative week. Bye.